the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. If you've wondered what's the buzz around NFTs or non-fungible tokens, or you're a content creator looking to cash in on this new way of securing ownership rights in the digital space, well, then we've got an important piece of news for you. South Africa's first NFT marketplace, or one of the first, was launched earlier this year by blockchain company Libex. And it's opened the eyes of celebrities and artists, as well as the wallets of collectors, in ways never before imaginable. Last week at the Crypto Fest in Cape Town, South African boxing champion Kevin Larina sold an NFT for 150,000 Rand by way of auction. The world's biggest marketplaces for NFTs are OpenSea, Axie Marketplace, and Lava Labs. But if you're looking for an NFT exchange dedicated to the South African market, well, Libex.ai is your place. I was skeptical of NFTs for a long time, mostly because of the ridiculous prices being paid for what looked like cartoon figures. I've warmed to the NFT concept as time has gone on because of the potential benefits of this new technology as a way to establish, verify, and transfer ownership rights. In the digital world, millions of people can look at your art, but with NFTs, only one person can own it. It's the digital equivalent of the real-life Mona Lisa. Millions of people pass through the Louvre Museum to view the Mona Lisa painting each year, but the actual piece of art belongs to the French state. The average price paid for an NFT has dropped 92% since the beginning of May 2022, falling from about $3,900 to just a little below $300. And that's according to blockchain research company Chainalysis. Now, are NFTs a passing fad or are we at the start of a fascinating journey of wealth creation for content creators? Well, to help us understand this question, we're joined by two gentlemen, Asif Aziz, who's strategic officer at the Libex Exchange, and Mandla Magagula, who is chief technology officer at Libex NFT Marketplace. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Kirian. Manla, let's kick off with you. Uh, we had Libex on a podcast a little bit earlier this year, in fact, with Asif, and that was to announce the launch of the NFT marketplace at Libex. Bring us up to speed. How is that going? Yeah, so it's been an interesting journey for us. Um, I think since the launch, we've learned a lot. But one is that there's a huge interest in the space. And um, tell you what, what surprised us the most is that we didn't do a lot of push on our side in terms of getting a typical investor into NFTs, but it was the pool from both artists, uh, musicians, creators, uh, wanting to learn more, wanting to know how to list on our platform. However, from uh, from a learning perspective, as a learning organization, we picked up that there's certain uh, user experience uh, improvements that we had to zoom in and uh, almost just refresh the platform so that it hits um, all the right uh, notes for the South African market. So I think uh, where we are at this point is that we've re- refreshed the platform. We've now launching a, a little bit more targeted platform in terms of performance. Uh, performance in terms of uh, user experience, speaking to the South African market, to the South African creator. Uh, So you look at like, for instance, prices are in South African uh, rands, for instance. And you can also, you have an option to obviously buy in, in Ethereum and, and, and other crypto assets. But again, you have the option to um, get your prices in South African rands. So it's some of those little improvements that we've put into the refreshed version of the NFT marketplace. Well, give us an idea. How many 
NFTs are listed on the exchange and is there big demand? The demand is huge. So right now, um, the ballpark figure is about 62,000 NFTs on the, on the platform. Yes. So it's crazy. That's why we were uh, so surprised by the, by the response from the general public. And most of it, like I said, it's a pull more than a push from our side. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great. 62,000 NFTs. Who are these people? Are these uh, people trying to sell works of art? Uh, give us an idea. Yeah, so it's a, it's a whole spectrum. It starts with uh, digital art where, you know, someone has created a, like an, an artwork and they want to sell it and expose it to a, like a wider audience and also memorabilia. We've seen a lot of traction in memorabilia. You've mentioned Kevin Lorena. I mean, the glove that uh, that uh, did them knockout punch was it's also listed there and also uh, in an auction last week. As you stated, it um, it sold for hundred and fifty thousand. You know, so there's a it's a whole spectrum. There's a, there's musicians that are interested, and so we're speaking to one of the prominent musicians in South Africa that's looking at listing some of his work on our platform. So it's amazing. For us to see, this I, I mean, sixty-two thousand sounds like yeah. an almost unimaginable amount. You, yeah. you look at the JSE, for example. You've got something like four hundred stocks that are listed there. But the JSE does provide a marketplace which attracts investors, and of course, there's a lot of transparency and yeah. there's a lot of you know price information that is revealed that helps investors. Who's responsible of these sixty-two thousand? You know, who brings the investors? How do they get eyeballs? How do they get wallets opening? to these projects? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing here is that the platform allows for that. You know, for instance, on our NFT marketplace, we offer free minting, free listing because we are a multi-chain solution. So it's not, we have a, a LibEx chain, LBX chain, which is our chain, and a proof of six chain, and we will talk about a little bit later. And then we also have Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain that we support. So our product runs, or our smart contracts runs on all these networks. So the fact that you get free minting, free uh, free listing on our platform, it also attracts people. Okay, so let's, let's just break that down. Yeah. So when we talk about free minting, this yeah. is basically the issuance of the the NFT. Yeah. You don't charge anything for that. Yeah. All right. And I think the other, you talked about, you know, the Binance Smart Chain and, yes. and Ethereum. Yeah. Maybe that's a little bit, people don't really need to know that yes. because your NFT can be listed on any one of these particular blockchains. No, 100%, 100%. So from a, a, Libex, a Libex chain perspective, like I need to be, to be specific about that. The free minting, it's when you are minting on the LBX chain. That's when it's free because we have 100% control over that network and uh, in terms of um, transaction fees. Right, um, and LBX chain is the blockchain that you are, yes. that you are minting these coins on. 100%. Or the NFTs. Yeah, yeah. But the artist or the creator can choose to mint on a different network to say, okay, I want my artwork to be on Ethereum, for instance. Mm-hmm. And there, um, again, I'm throwing a buzzword, we do a bit of a lazy minting. What? Lazy minting. Laser minting. Lazy, lazy minting. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. it, uh, so it's a technical term that just basically says that we, you can issue the command to mint. However, it's not minted right away because of transaction fees. So it's almost like a delayed minting. So you can only see it on Ethereum maybe at the later stage, you know, because of the high transaction fees. So again, what I opened with is that we are building a platform that is speaking to the South African market and we understand that transaction fees on Ethereum are very high. So we've put this concept of lazy minting so that we can protect investors or our 
creators from the high prices on Ethereum blockchain. So who's responsible for bringing the investors to this marketplace? So at this point, creators have their own ecosystems. You know, so as a creator, if you, if like for instance, I'm an artist, there is an ecosystem that I've created that's potentially off-chain, off maybe on Twitter or on any other platform that has a following. Like this musician that we're talking about, he has 1.2 million followers on Instagram, for instance. Oh, yeah. So he will bring that ecosystem with him to this platform to say, listen, here's my artwork on this platform. So that will leave in the hands of the creators. However, we do a lot of work as the LibEx marketplace as well to give our creators visibility. We'll profile some of the artwork. Um, if you look at our, our social media accounts, especially, and a great example is Kevin Lorena stuff. Last week, we've been talking a lot about it and, and more recently, Makai and Tini's, uh, collection as well. We talk a lot about that collection on the on our social media. Kevin Lorena, the boxer, the South yes. African cruiserweight boxing champion. Is, was that the most expensive NFT sold? I mean, there was 150,000 Rand. Yes. So that was a glove that, was the, that yes. delivered the knockout punch against some poor soul in that ring okay but of course what you're buying is you're you're buying ownership now you will actually keep custody of that glove should the person want the person says yeah i own it but you know it's safely stored away somewhere and uh, so tell us about that you know because the guy's acquiring something which is memorabilia something which is uh hopefully going to be of of some value but it's really in a digital form that's what the nft is and he doesn't necessarily want to take possession of the glove itself. Talk about that. No, no, 100%. So I, I think that's, uh, that's the beauty of the space, that we can digitize these uh, memor- memorabilia items, right? So, yes, as you've correctly stated, we keep custody of, we have, uh, we have the glove safe in, in our vault. And then as the owner, you can decide, okay, I want to have the glove in my custody, that's fine, you'll get that. Uh, but then it just means that uh, we need to constantly verify, you know, so you, you also need to um, secure that, that storage. But we prefer that for the time being, we keep custody of that because we trust our vault, we trust the way we store it. Then the NFT is proof of ownership, as you correctly stated earlier on, that you own that glove. And then in future, you can resell it, you can use that as collateral for something else. So it opens up a new um, uh, market, a, a new way of, of basically trading and exchanging value on a decentralized and, uh, and was that the most expensive NFT yeah. that's ever been purchased on your exchange? Certainly. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in. I think certainly is the, it's, the, it's the most expensive to date. Yeah. Okay. There's different ways, of course, that you can sell an asset yep. on, uh, you know, your NFT marketplace. Right. This one was by auction. Sorry. Yes. <clears throat> There's different ways that you can sell an asset on your digital, uh, your NFT marketplace. That's right. This one was by auction. So you had people bidding against each other. The highest bidder came up to 150,000. Yep. Yes. But there's other ways where you know, multiple people can own a, a fraction of an asset, right? Correct. So uh, just describe the different ways that people can buy. Yeah, 100%. NFTs. So it, it's all dependent on the, the, the creator, you know, the, the, the artist, the owner of that, uh, of that asset. That, okay, this uh, NFT I want to put up for auction, right? Uh, or it's an individual asset that I want to be, you know, put up for like Kevin Lorena's case where at 70,000 rands, we thought like, okay, this is the highest bid until like, you know, it's like someone came along and shocked us like, okay, 
great 150k on the spot and that's it so that's one option another way is that you can put a prize like to say this is a spot prize on my nft you know to say okay if you want to buy this you it's like 2000 rand like if you look at most of uh, uh macarantini's collection um most items have spot prices spot prices on them so you can just buy it and, and then own that item and then another option is that you can release like a collection that's a it's a basically it's a related collection where you can own like a piece of that collection like that part of that token which represents the entire collection you know which is in, the, in, in a sense it's a fraction of a collection. fractional ownership so i mean one of the things that you're doing is you're offering fractional ownership in property yes that's a different uh, it's another product that you're offering which is we call it libex quota so you call quota.libex.ai which allows one companies to basically issue shares like shares um tokenized shares to their maybe product or to their companies. So in that way that someone can own, for instance, a piece of a mall, you know, a, as a digital token that's sitting on a blockchain. And in, in that way, from an issuer perspective, you get the benefit that you get to raise funds quickly. And then from an investor perspective is that you take, uh, you, you get, you stand a chance to benefit in the upside in the, in the coming future. Asif, let's bring you in here. I mean, we've had you before. You're not a stranger yeah. to the Money Web Crypto podcast. I started off by posing the question, you know, are NFTs a passing fad or is this a fabulous new way to generate wealth? And we've just been hearing about some examples there where, uh, you know, Kevin Lorena was able to monetize his the glove that he used in one of his, his uh, boxing matches. There are some fantastical predictions out there about NFTs that this is really the future of blockchain. You know, never mind speculating on the price of Ethereum or Bitcoin. NFTs is the use case that was that we've been waiting for. What's your view on this? Is this the the case? Uh, because when NFTs were launched, people were just rolling their eyes. You know, so paying ridiculous prices for cartoon figures. So I think there's multiple elements here. I think um, initially, as we went through this interview, I've been listening to Manla and yourself, and we covered quite a bit around the high-profile NFTs. And and if we look at the Libex strategy, the Libex strategy has always been financial inclusivity for Africa. That that's been our vision. It's really how do we bring technology to the marketplace to Africa and make it so that that technology is actually valuable to everybody in a decentralized world. Um, we are saying that, look, it's a decentralized tech. We're able to offer this to any man on the street. And then how do we offer that if the value of that tech set, by example, with Ethereum and the other blockchains has been so high? So we went to the drawing board and we decided to develop the LBX chain. The LBX chain gave us the ability to do the free minting, the, the, the free listing, etc. Just, just to be um, clear, the, the LBX chain is your own blockchain. 100%, yeah. So, so it's the Libex chain, our own blockchain, and gives us the ability to do the free minting, the free listing. But it also gives us the ability to create a stable within that chain. So what we had then done was we created a stable SZAR coin on the chain. Um, so what this means is when you transact onto the marketplace when you want to purchase any nft and the value of that nft is 50 rand you then transfer 50 rand through your kyc process aml policies etc you then transfer 50 rand in and you get 50 rand worth of sr coins that 50 rand worth of sr coins gives you the ability to now buy an nft worth 50 rand so you don't necessarily have to buy nfts at 150,000 rand there's nfts on there that is 50 rand and what this means for the everyday consumer is that you now have the ability to resell 
sell that tomorrow for 60 rand and make 10 rand profit, right? Or, or resell it the following day for 70 rand. But it gives that market the, 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 the means to actually grow their wealth um, through simple trading of NFTs. What's the value of the NFT? The value of the NFT from an artist's perspective is I've created something nice. I've created a digital representation of art. I've put it up on this platform and he said, okay, go ahead and buy it. The artist receives a remuneration for the art that he's created, but the consumer doesn't necessarily want to be tied down to that art in all instances. In some instances, like the memorabilia, they do. However, in other instances, they really just want to buy it and resell it in order to make a return on investment, to make a profit from a simple buy and sell option. And, and, and that's really been the, the, the vision or the, the longer standing goal for, for Libex as a marketplace. Right. So, so here's my follow-on question. I'm an artist. I come to you. It's a Monday. And um, I want to list my coin. I want to list an NFT on your marketplace. How long is that going to take? To list an NFT in the marketplace, provided that you haven't been on the platform previously, um, you'd go through a KYC process. Um, so pretty much you go create NFT, it'll ask you for your KYC details. Um, you'd KYC, we have an automated system which integrates with the, the home affairs, etc., um, which confirms that you are the person that you say you are. Um, and the KYC process takes three to five minutes. Um, and then minting the NFT, um, that could take, because we have a three-second block time on the LBX chain, um, it's significantly quick it's not congested as a network you're looking at about 15 seconds to mint it and then 10 seconds to list it um so all in all under four minutes under five minutes you would be able to mint and list your nft on the nft market five minutes so if i phone you at 10 o'clock on a monday morning and say hey um here's my here's my work of art by half past 10 i could have an nft and um my social network, which I bring along with me, obviously encourage them to start bidding for this thing, Correct. either by auction or by owning a fraction of it. Correct. And we've simplified that process significantly for the African market, specifically because <laughs> if you go into an open sea or wearable, your request will be to create a decentralized wallet, which is MetaMask, and that process is complex. Um, whereas we've done the KYC process internally, um, so it's almost like a custodial wallet that you allocated with us, and, and you can then do it within that Five minutes. Okay, I mean, the custody wallets is an interesting thing because people do, you know, MetaMask is complex, and if you get it wrong, you can lose your assets, and and this has happened many, many thousands of times. Yes. So this is one of the things that has got to be simplified, you know, in the crypto spaces. How do you set up a wallet and make it safe for people to transfer in and out? Yeah. Um, so I think that that has been our challenge. So like we said, the initial launch was in March this year. Um, we've got some traction on the platform. We had done two things on the initial launch. One, it was fully decentralized in that we used the MetaMask as your option in and option out. And then the other was that we had launched it on the TSF network, which was a proof of work network. Um, and what the consumers found was that with the MetaMask, they had to go through an educational process and it was just lengthy. Um, and then the second one was on a proof of work chain, um, you have slow block time. So you have a 45-second block time, which means that people are waiting around for their NFTs to be minted and listed. Um, so the change in the strategy to move to LBX and to give them a custodial wallet was really to, to improve that user experience and to give the users the ability to now mint under the time that, that we've mentioned, but also to be, give the buyer the ability to browse the platform without any lag time and to choose the NFTs that they want to buy um, before they have to log into the platform. Once they're logging into the platform and they hit the buy button, at that point,
point if they, they're not KYC that they would need to do so because we are dealing with fiat and hence we need to know who exactly is transferring fiat in and out um, and, and that's the reason for the KYC process. Mandla, let's bring you back in again. Yeah. So the, the currency that when, when somebody loads up and they want to purchase uh, an NFT, yeah. they're obviously using fiat rand. Um, that gets converted into what? Yeah, so that gets converted to stable. So as Asif earlier stated, that uh, the first thing is that you need to almost pre-fund our stable czar because we have a stable currency that runs off of the LB exchange. Okay, which so is stable czar. Stable is, czar. What, what is the name of that, that stable czar? It's called czar. S czar. Yeah, literally stable czar. Okay, so yeah. it's a it's the crypto equivalent of the rand. It's back one to one to the rand by That's the rand. Okay, so now you've yeah. converted for fiat, and now you've got a stable coin rand. Yeah. Explain the process from there. All right. So what you probably want, what we need um, when you join. Um, and you want to buy an NFT, the first thing is you buy stable czar for the same value as the price of your NFT or even more. And then from there, after you've logged into the platform, that will be linked to your profile. Assuming you've done the KYC, you've done um, all the initial admin work that's required for you to sign This is the same kind of process you do when you open a bank account. KYC, know your customer and anti-money laundering, AML. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So this is very light, uh, lightweight because it's automated. Um, So we have APIs that, that call the, the home affairs system. And we're doing this primarily because we want to prevent money laundering uh, through NFTs. So and as soon as you have that amount, then you can basically just select buy and then it will deduct the value from your 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 stable currency, the, the stables are, and then basically what you'll have in your wallet is your NFT and that uh, stables are will be uh, taken and then sent to the uh, creator's uh, account. So that's... And Asif, have you been noticing on your exchange, I, I mentioned in the intro, that how the price of NFTs had dropped 92%. Is it the same on your exchange? Yeah, so I think it's um, it depends on the chain that is being minted on. So if we're minting an NFT on the Ethereum blockchain, and today the, the value of Ethereum is $3,000, whereas tomorrow the value of Ethereum is $1,000, you would lose value in your NFT. However, if you're minting against a stable currency, like Manla is saying, use SZAR to mint and mint it on the LBX chain, your NFT is not volatile. So it's not changing based on the value of Ethereum. It's now stable to the RAND. And you selling your NFT, at the market demand price for your NFT. Um, you're not reliant on that blockchain volatile coin and hoping that the coin actually grows in value for your NFT to grow in value. Here it's one-to-one with the RAND, you're stable, and once you've purchased that NFT, as the demand for that NFT increases, you're able to sell it based on a return on investment. Was it 62,000? Yes. Are those basically different pieces of art for the right. for the most part or yes. pieces of music this is a different like i said it's a spectrum right it's a different pieces of art because immediately it's minted on our platform we see that it's an individual nft so this is a collective uh whether it's memorabilia like uh, not so much music at this point but we do have some music nfts and we're still going to have more of that uh but mostly it's been memorabilia and art uh, digital uh, digital art that's an extraordinary story yeah given that this was only started barely six months ago where do you see this well, what's that figure going to be if if you know we talk again in another six months let's say march yes. of next year where, where is it i just want to comment on that because i have a thesis around that around why nfts um resonate with people 
right? Because you don't buy NFT with the same mindset as you buy crypto, like a typical cryptocurrency. Um, I've realized even with myself, when I look at an NFT, it appeals to a different sense in me. I look at Macayantini's memorabilia and I start thinking about Macayantini as a, a cricketer that brought, that brought me a lot of joy in, uh, in uh, the early years of my youth. And I think about where he is right now, right? So I buy that with that thinking in mind, with that mindset. So it's almost like a matter of the heart than the mind. It's more, um, so I think that's why it resonates. That's why we'll see that number will grow significantly. And also, thanks to COVID, which was, uh, I think, accelerated this demand. We're locked indoors for so long. And there's a lot of creations that you've seen on social media, some driven by, you know, people sharing their art on Twitter, on, on, on Instagram. And, but there's no way to monetize that art. You know, um, you see people, um, you know, doing music or doing, you know, digital art. And NFT and this marketplace gives you now an ability, that ability to monetize that, you know, to say, right. I can put a monetary value and I have like a wider audience than my immediate family or like there's Twitter likes and Instagram shares that right. that are potentially. <clears throat> this is really fascinating because it is monetizing. It is yeah. creating a marketplace for things yes. that were probably idle assets. You know, That's you talk right. about Antini, yes. and I presume he's selling his gloves and his cricket bats and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how boxers can monetize some of their memorabilia right. and any yes. sports person could do this and yes. any, any, any artist. So it would be quite fascinating to, to have this discussion and maybe just keep this as a, as, a, as a stat to bear in mind. It's like, what is the market cap of these NFTs, you know, the next time? And, and, and let's just sort of measure that because yep. that's like a new economy that is growing up. A hundred percent. And I think it's going to... It's only going to explode because if you already see what uh, the Bored Apes Yacht Club has has achieved, right, in a short space of time. And it shows that it's not just, it's more than just the JPEGs and the, uh, it's actually, it goes deeper than that in terms of the metadata associated with that, with that NFT and also the community that it brings together. And it's different, I see in the, in the coming months and in, in the near future, lots more communities forming. And you think about the fashion world, you know, people minting NFTs for their apparels, their, you know, and so that's a, again, that's an ecosystem there. And music NFTs, another thing. And, and that solves a lot of problems in terms of ownership, digital ownership of um, musical uh, pieces of work. You know, so you see another ecosystem forming there. This is only going to grow from here. Asif, maybe give us some practical real-world applications for NFTs that may swing the minds of skeptics out there who say the idea of paying large amounts of money for pictures of unicorns is absurd. <laughs> so help swing their minds. Yeah, so I think the utility behind the asset is really where a lot of people are playing these days. So they're looking for NFTs that give utility. Um, I think on our platform, we had the pretty ugly NFTs that, that we also listed. Part of the utility there was where he was going to give you access to backstage. We were going to be able to speak to him um, at one of the concerts, etc. So that type of utility is where you, you are tied So this is a music performer? A pretty ugly, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the music performer that fought with Casper Nuvez this weekend. Um, they did a boxing match at, at uh, Celeb City. 
Oh yeah, um, who won? Casper Nieves. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 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 so I, I think this, this is becoming a thing. It's like YouTube stars boxing <laughs> each other and ch- calling each other out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I think the utility behind the NFTs is really where people want to be. Um, but one step further than that is whether you want to call on that utility or not. I mean, if you're getting the memorabilia for Makai and Tini, um, you, you, you can either take it home, place it in your lounge and, and, and just you know, grow value from that. Alternatively, you can then sell that NFT on to make a return on investment from your NFTs. So the utility is just giving value to an asset, but really the, the ultimate objective here is to be able to trade these NFTs. And the more times you trade them, obviously the royalties go back to the original original creators. Um, so a lot of the guys are doing foundations and when you're trading that NFT, the foundation gets back the, the return on investment or the, the royalties of 10% and that royalties goes back to a lot of the do-good community, etc. Right. Of course, one of the use cases that has been promised for NFTs is fractional ownership. Whether it be fractional ownership of shares, that already exists. You can own a fraction of Apple. You can own a fraction of Tesla. Um, but it's pretty limited at, at the moment. Here we're talking about a slightly different kind of fractional ownership where it's tokenized. Correct, right. sure. Um, so in, in the tokenized space, I mean, you, you can either use NFTs as a tokenized solution or you can tokenize a existing business through a security asset, um, security-backed assets. In securitizing tokens, the Libex quota system is really where, where we securitize assets backed by uh, or company assets which we are creating tokens against but there is a lot to be said whilst rolling up the quota system um, there is the regulation there is the due diligence you need to be able to ensure that the company that you're securitizing or tokenizing rather um, has the securities to back the assets that you that that you're creating and the consumers need to be protected um, so when it comes to those security assets um, there's a lot of regulation there's a lot of uh, due diligence that we need to do that we work in with the different compliance legs in order to make sure that those that the consumer of that platform is not exposed when securitizing an asset. That's an interesting point because if you want to list a company on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, they have the listing requirements and it's a long process as well. Yeah. You've got to have advisors, you've got to get all kinds of sign-offs from yeah. auditors and various other so, I mean, professionals. Yeah, yeah, what's, so. what's the process with you? If, you're, if you've got a business and you want to raise capital on your exchange, yeah. So similarly, on the Libex quota system, if you want to raise capital against assets that you have, um, the documents will be shared. Uh, will provide. Will ask you for a list of documentation, and that will sh- be shared with the legal team as well as the um, advisory team. Um, once everything is above board and the due diligence is completed, um, we can then go through the process of onboarding you. Um, that know your business process is a lengthier one around the quota system, um, but that's purely because the consumers are going to be exposed to those assets once we roll it out on the marketplace and, and we want to ensure that the consumers are protected in the, at the end of the day. And how long do you imagine this would take from, from start to finish? You know, you, 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 I phone you on a Monday. How, how, how long would it take me to list my company? Yeah, I think as a business owner, um, you're obviously not looking for a quick win, right? It needs to be a long-term relationship. You need to be able to build that community with the consumers as well. Um, so, so you're looking nothing less than 45 to, to, to 90 days, I'd say, um, to go through all yeah. of the compliance legs, et cetera. Yeah, because yeah, I think the JSE would take you best part of a year, yeah. sometimes even longer. <laughs> okay, let's wrap up here. Manlo, we're going to have you back again because I really am fascinated about this. But um, when, I, when I ask you to come back in, uh, you know, four or six months what story are you going to be telling me what's what's going to be the big change with your nft marketplace yeah so i think i think the biggest thing we, we we're busy building we're busy 
um, we're learning and building, getting feedback from the market, and then we improving there. So the the focal point, as Asif has uh, stated earlier, is about financial inclusion, and and financial inclusion is tied with the user experience of our platform and user experience is not just how it looks it's how it works um in terms of are we expecting a bank account from someone who doesn't have a bank account right uh, so we're looking at integrating mobile money in there uh, because we want to be as inclusive as possible to a typical south african you right. know like uh, not people with bank accounts and we want to be as inclusive as possible so in- inclusiveness for us it's a it's it's a verb it's not a noun you know financial inclusion it's a verb it's so a doing something right yeah so we're building into the system so i think in 6 months time i i hope the conversation would be around okay great we have created one a vibrant ecosystem where people are able to create and they're able to trade these nfts uh, with ease on our platform and potentially people are making a profit from these things from these uh, nfts and then also what else there's more utility that we've, we've brought in and hopefully well, who knows maybe we'll have our libex metaverse that time where these people are interacting with these nfts in a another um augmented reality world and they're, they're trading these assets and they, they're, they're doing are, are you working on a, on a metaverse type of solution i can neither deny or, or confirm that at this point but yeah. well, you mentioned it so <laughs> <laughs> i guess the answer is yes <laughs> Yeah. So, it's uh, and by the way, you, you're not the only NFT marketplace in yes. South Africa. There, there is a, Rob Herzog is behind uh, another one. Is that called Moment? Is it? Yeah. There's Moment. I think it's based out in Cape Town. Yeah. This is, I think there's a few others actually in the in the pipeline. But those, that's the one that I know of at this point. And would you say you're the biggest? Was it hard to judge at this point? <laughs> It's it's hard to judge because we don't the, the stats are not public, right? So we, yeah. we, there's no way to of knowing, um, uh, yeah. But hopefully, the, as the tools um, mature, it's going to be a lot easier for us to 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 get that kind of information. I guess the other question that I would like to know is. What is the secondary trade in these these NFTs? Somebody buys it and then he's you know he's treating this as an investment. Is yeah. there a, is there a vigorous secondary trade where he on sells that, trying to sell it on in a profit? And, yeah, of or course. Or are these are these hodlers? Are these people yeah. just buying for the long term? So I, I think there's there's it's both, right? So there's always going to be a secondary market for this. You know, if I buy. Um, Kevin Larina's glove. I'm, I'm, I keep coming back to this example. You know, in future, someone else wants that glove. I'm like, okay, um, you can take it from me for two hundred thousand. And I'm, I'm, you know, as an example, and someone's like, I'm willing to to buy that because I have a collection. Um, then you know, then that's then we can have a trade, a peer-to-peer trade, either even on the platform, on on the on the NFT uh, Libex platform. Um, so that there, there is a vibrant secondary market for that. Um, however, I think when you buy NFT, it's almost like it's a it's a it's a stance that you take. In most cases, a stance that I believe in this. I believe in in this particular ecosystem. Yeah, and, it's yeah. the 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 Bitcoin hodler stance, right? Yeah, I'm holding Bitcoin because I believe this is a new type of money, and yeah. it's going to 
uh, it's going to surpass anything else in terms of its ability to protect against inflation and, and store wealth. Yeah, in this case, it's also does it align to your to your values, mm. right? It's almost like a, it it goes back to the value system that we that we hold. Like, does it does it pull the right heart strings in you? It's like that right. this aligns with my values, and this is what I believe in. And then that's typically the person that buys. Um, NFTs, but another person just said believes that in a few months' time this will be worth more. Yeah, Asif, uh, a quick question to you. Um, we are running out of time, so if we can have a fairly short answer on this one. When we last spoke, you we, we did a story on MoneyWeb about uh, one of the most profitable crypto mines in the world was located here in Johannesburg, and that is your mine, where you are mining the TSF coin on your own blockchain. Now, uh, is that still the case? Because now you actually have two blockchains. You have TSF and Mandela mentioned you have LBX, I think it is. So maybe just tell us, are they still profitable? And, um, and I believe you had quite a response from readers, you know, who wanted to come and join your mining operation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, still profitable to mine TSF. Um, but just like any other currency at this stage, uh, the market is bearish. Um, so in that, if the market's bearish, um, it's not the most profitable to mine. Um, what we did find was our network hash rate. I mean, in the day that Ethereum moved from proof of work to proof of stake, um, obviously Ethereum cut off all miners. Um, any silicon miners that were then able to mine Ethereum had to move somewhere else and we saw that our network hash rate increased significantly. Um, I think we're currently sitting over, uh, at one point we had one tera hash worth of network hash rate. Um, I think daily it's fluctuating but that's significant. There was an 800% jump on the day that Ethereum moved over. Um, so based on that, that network cash rate obviously provide a lot of the the people that were mining the ability to jump onto our network so it's, yes it's, it's still profitable because we can see people moving onto the network um, whether it's the most profitable um, from our perspective as a business we believe in sustainability um, we, we believe in sustaining the environment the ecosystem as well as business um, and the proof of stake is really where you want to be for a longevity project um, proof of work obviously Bitcoin has its place a lot of the proof of work uh, projects like TSF etc has its place um, though for a high transactional blockchain like LBX where you're expecting the consumers to jump on and buy NFTs and trade NFTs etc you really want to be in a proof of stake network rather than a proof of work Right, and the proof of stake, you can, you can do that on your, on your laptop. You don't need to have these ex very expensive mining rigs. 100% correct, Joe. So there's a validator process. To be a validator on the LBX chain, um, at this stage, there's quite a high requirement. Um, we, we, we're trying to ensure that we don't accept too many validators to, to not clog up the network. Um, so we're restricting the, the requirement to come in. We will go through a pre-sale process with LBX, and during the pre-sale process, we'll offer a validator wallet. Um, and that validator obviously will then receive receive a transaction fee for every transaction that happens on the network and that will become his his um, return investment for purchasing during the pre-sale. Um, but that is pretty much uh, the reason for it, yeah. Okay, quick question. How did you get started in cryptos? Uh, I've always been in tech. I've always been in tech since the beginning of my career and I've always been interested in disruptive tech. Um, I was involved in AI prior, um, RPA, robotic process automation. Uh, when blockchain started, um, I immediately took to it. I understand that tech is the way forward. I understand that it, it, it gives the ability to change lives, to change the world. Um, I just believe that a blockchain is, is, is disruptive enough to do that.
Manla, same question to you. How did you get started in cryptos? Yeah, so my journey started eight years ago when I worked for one of the big four banks. And then we was initially just exploring Bitcoin and what uh, Bitcoin from a technical standpoint, what the code base looked like, what was Bitcoin about. And uh, yeah, then from there, I just looked at it and was surprised because it had all the hallmarks of a great piece of tech based on my CompSci com background. And then, yeah, then from there, I just uh, yeah, I kept on, you know, just playing around with different technologies and following the space very closely. Yeah. And then here we are today. I want to thank you both for coming on the Money with Crypto podcast and go over to libex.ai. That's L-I-B-E-X.ai. Check out this NFT marketplace and uh, see, you know, maybe you got a piece of art there or you got some artifact or heirloom or memorabilia that is stuck away in the back of your house and you want to maybe see if you can get some money for this. Well, uh, as you heard a little bit earlier, it'll take you about seven minutes to get that thing listed. And uh, But, you know, bring your community along, you know, your social media network. And uh, th this is fascinating how this NFT world is going to change things and is creating an economy that didn't exist there for many people. Thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.